The title of the message today is God has come to help. God has come to help. The text that we're going to look at this morning is in Luke chapter 4. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where, the Lord, where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This passage, Jesus announces his mission. This is, this is why I have come. This is why I am here. And in Luke's gospel, every single thing he did... Every word he spoke, every act of kindness, could all be traced back to that grand mission. The good news is preached, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed. Imagine if a politician made an announcement like this. Good news to the poor? The poor are the ones who are most ignored by the politicians. But if a politician made this kind of declaration, there would be high expectation. And the question everyone would be asking is this, will he or she deliver? Prisoners? Freedom for the prisoners? How many men? In prison right now, we'll be looking. You mean I'm going to be free? Jesus says, today, this scripture is fulfilled. Today. He told the people, you don't have to wait for this anymore. This is here. It is happening right now. And the question I'm sure they were all thinking... Will he deliver? Will he deliver? Who can live up to such a high expectation? And I'm sure the question is the same question you're asking this morning. Where is the good news for me? When am I going to be set free? What about the things that are oppressing me? Can Jesus deliver? When in Luke... Chapter 7, he showed that he could. Luke chapter 7, he goes to a town called Nain and he encounters a woman. 
It says in Luke 7, verse 11, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples, a large crowd, and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. You know, it's interesting, you know, that um, Jesus took note of what was going on with this woman. And you know, uh, this week was International Women's Day. And I want to big up all the women who are out there. It's your day. And I know in the church, um, so many women have supported the work of the Lord. And I commend you for your sacrifice. And for your hard work. There are women serving as ushers, singing, singing in, the, in, the, in the worship team, doing the AV and kingdom kids. There is, there is no area where women are not used by God. They're serving in the full-time ministry, in, in, our, in our administrative roles. I mean, it's just incredible. All the blessings that uh, women bring to the church. And some people think that Jesus was not concerned about women. But that's not true. In fact, Luke records several instances where he intervened in the lives of women. And he approaches the town of Nain, and this woman, who is a widow, is distressed. And it says here that the Lord saw her. We could turn to the next slide. There should, be some, <clears throat> there should be some pictures up there. There we go. The Lord saw her. This, this woman was elderly. And she was vulnerable. In that society, women depended on their husbands. And this woman's husband was dead. And the next in line would be her son who would take care of her. And she's burying her son. And I'm sure you could imagine the sense of hopelessness, the sense of grief, the anxiety that she must have felt about her future. It says that the Lord saw her. Let's go to the next slide. The, the, the Lord saw her. Whatever she looked like. I don't know what she looked like. The important thing is that the Lord saw her. Let's go to the next slide. The Lord sees. And it says that his heart went out to her. He said, I've got to do something. And he said to her, don't cry. Now that's what you're supposed to say, right? We can go to the next slide. That's what you're supposed to say when someone is grieving. 
Don't cry. And Jesus said this to her, and he didn't even do anything. I mean, I just came back from Jamaica. My cousin um, passed away under very suspicious circumstances. And myself and my mother um, and my brother were at the funeral. And at the funeral, there were just times when my mother just just put her, her hand in, her head in her hand. And I just put my arm around her and I, what, what, what did he say? I just tried to comfort her. I knew that I was completely powerless to, to do anything of any significance except try to comfort my mom. But I'm a human being. And that's all I can do. But when Jesus says, don't cry, it means something special is going to happen. You feeling me here? When Jesus says, don't cry. He said, I'm, I'm about to fix something here. He's not just mouthing those words. He's about to do something that is going to transform the entire situation. In verse 14, it says, Then he went up and touched the buyer, which is a thing that they were carrying the, the, the dead boy on, the dead man. And the, the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. So let's go back a few slides. Go forward, I'm sorry. There you go. Young man, I say to you, get up. Who talks to dead people? He is having a conversation with a dead man. And Jesus says, young man, I say to you, get up. There is no other person who has that kind of authority but Jesus Christ. If you read through the book of Acts, yeah, the apostles, they raised people from the dead. But they did it in the name of Jesus. Jesus is saying, I say to you, I'm speaking in no other person's name but myself. There is no other religious person throughout all of history that has ever done something like this based on their own personal authority. Not Gandhi, not the Dalai Lama, not any other religious person. Jesus said, based on my authority, get up and could you believe it? This man he gets up and he starts to talk. Jesus' word rolled away the stench of death. 
Remember, this man was dead. His, his organs had ceased to function. And by his word, he rejuvenated his bodily organs. He got that heart pumping, that blood pumping. He got that brain functioning. And this man got up as if nothing happened. That is the power of the word of Jesus Christ. I mean, goodness gracious, at that very moment, that there was a complete reversal from sadness to joy. We can go to the next slide. Life had come back into this boy. And it was all in keeping with the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. You can write this down, Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 8. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. Isaiah 28, 18 says, Your covenant with death will be annulled. I'm telling you, Jesus was acting in fulfillment of the mission he announced in Luke chapter 4. There is nothing more oppressive than death. Nothing. There's a finality with death. People grieve for years, months. There's nothing as oppressive that humans have to endure than death. And here's Jesus releasing this man from death's oppression. What was the response of the people? What did they say? Let's go back to Luke 7. What did they say? All the people were filled with awe. They praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. And they said, God has come to help his people. And this news this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the, surrounding company, and the surrounding country. Verse 17 is important. This news, God has come to help. That's the news. God has come to help. He's come to help His people. Praise God. You're doing an excellent job. Awesome. Let's go to the next slide. It, it was this news that spread. And there's a lot of stuff out there about Jesus, right? 
Right now, a lot of stuff. You talk to people about Jesus. What is the news that we are spreading about Jesus? I mean, these, these, these people were effusive about their praise. God has come to help his people. And then we've got to ask ourselves, what is our perception of God? Let's, let's go to the next slide. What is, what is your perception? We all, we all have opinions about God. We, we have opinions and beliefs about his character and about his nature. But the gospel that we just read declares that God cares about the needs of people. The gospel says that God observes our pain. He saw the woman. And he takes note of human suffering. That's, that's, that's the message from the gospel. The message from the gospel is that, is that, is that Jesus has come to help his people. Do you believe that God has come to help you? This is the message that... that the gospel declares, but do we believe that message about Jesus? Do I believe it? This is what we got to ask. I got to ask myself it. Do I believe it? Do you believe it? Do you really, really believe that Jesus has come to help you? Let's go to the next slide. The most oppressive of all beliefs about God is the one that adamantly con- con- claims God doesn't care about me. That is that. Is an oppressive belief. You're, if, if you believe that man, you're locked in. You're in a prison. Now there's hope. There's hope. Because there's a key to that prison. But if you believe that, that God doesn't care about me. God ain't got time for me. Oh yeah, he'll deal with that widow over there. But ain't nobody got time for me. God got too many big things going on. He he cares about other people, but he doesn't really care about me. He's distant. I see God working in other people's families. Oh yeah, oh their children are becoming Christians, but God and He don't care about me. Mm-mm-mm. I see other people's marriages doing great; they're thriving, but my marriage, oh Lord have mercy, God just don't care about me. He's abandoned me. You know, this is a pervasive and oppressive belief that many of us struggle to let go of. You know, let's turn to the next slide. Let me just share with you, I had some early beliefs and opinions about God. Now, I grew up in a Catholic environment. My father was Catholic, and I went to um, Catholic church. And when we went to church, there were large panels of stained glass, which depicted... Jesus taking on a certain human form. <clears throat> and Jesus was white and had blonde hair, basically. And I accepted those, I accepted that image. Um, and, and, and I really believe that Jesus did look like that. Long blonde, long blonde hair and that he was Caucasian. The trouble was in the West Indies, white people, people who are, who are of Caucasian descent, they occupy a privileged place in society. And that's, this is not a history lesson. This is 
the word of God I'm talking about here. But that, that just is all tied up with um, an unfortunate history of slavery in the Caribbean. But many people of Caucasian descent, they, they lived in certain areas. They were, they were pretty affluent. And in my personal experience, this is me, this is Sean here. I'm not painting a broad brush. In my personal experience, I don't really remember a white person really caring about me or going out of their way to help me. So what I'm getting at is it was really hard for me to conceive that the Jesus in this form could, was, was even wanting to help me. You feeling me? Alright. Let's go to the next slide. This is another belief I had about God. That he was like Zeus. Right? And he was, he was, he was just up in the heavenly realm with a thunderbolt in his hand. Just waiting for any infraction. Anytime I stole the cookie from the cookie jar. <laughs> right? That was my perception. That it was, it was a God of wrath. You know what I'm saying? And God is an authority figure. He is a judge. But I realized that these beliefs that I had about God were distortions of the truth. And only after opening up the scriptures and reading the word of God for myself did I get to understand that God really does care for me as an individual. Now I have to tell you, I've struggled over the course of 30 plus years that I've been a Christian. Wrestling with my distorted beliefs and my right beliefs. You understand? I, I want to believe that God and Jesus are here to help me but sometimes I go back to that place where, where oh man, he's just too busy. He's, he's in a privileged class. He don't really care about me. Or, man, I've really blown it. And the thunderbolt, i just got to brace myself for it. So I wrestle with those views and opinions about God. Let's go to the next slide. So whatever your beliefs are about God is going to determine your response towards him. You get me? You feel me? Uh, well, whatever your current beliefs are about God is going to determine how you respond to God. Right? So if you hold a distorted view of God, it could be very difficult. It could be very difficult for you to believe that He really wants to help you. That's, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough jump. Tough. And so, if we hold a distorted view towards God, our disposition about spiritual things would be off. It's like, you, so, some of you don't even have any, feel any value of even being here. You'd rather be somewhere else. Maybe you're thinking about the meal. After, you know what I'm saying? But for some people, it's just like, when, when is the closing song? Right? I mean, 
You're, you're talking about, you're hearing the words of the man who raised someone to life. And you're worried about the closing song? Huh? You know, your attitude towards God's word, if you don't have a, a correct view about God, your attitude towards God's word will prevent you from even reading it. You know, when you get to a place where you're more interested in what's on Facebook and what's on Instagram and what's on CNN and what Trump is doing and who, what, where, what, why, and, and we're so preoccupied with those things, but what about God's Word? Something you don't really think or you're faltering in your belief that God really wants to help you. In your situation. Even your ability to value a place where you can have spiritual conversations will be greatly diminished. So it's like you become a, a, a it's easy to become a Sunday only Christian. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I'll just do what's convenient. Sunday, Wednesday is hard. What Devo on Friday? Huh? And then the singles, you know how much traveling that is? How much time to get down to that single Devo in, in, where is it again? Hmm. It's like, it, it, it just becomes like a chore. Just a chore. Why? Because you don't think that in these meetings that the Spirit is going to help you with something. You don't, you don't think that. You don't think that. You think you're just there because someone's going to ask you where you're at that depot. You see how easy it is just to go from, just to be a kind of a legalistic type. I'm just checking in as opposed to, man, God's going to do something special here. Right? Hey, look, I can get that way too. We can all get that way. But we always have to go back to what are our beliefs about God? What do we really believe? You know, there's something else that I want you to consider. And that is the issue of God's gender. <clears throat> you know, I have to, I'm sorry, I have to talk about it. So in, in Genesis, the scriptures declare that God created both male and female. You can read it, Genesis uh, 1, 2, and 3. In God's sight... He doesn't see one gender as better than the other. That's not how God thinks. That's how we can get kind of twisted up and jacked up. But that's how, why would God create one gender better than the other? The two genders are a team. You know what I'm saying? Together. I mean, it is not good for men to be alone. But and together, men and women can do amazing things. Amen? But God is referred throughout the scriptures as a man the holy trinity in the holy trinity god is the father the son and the holy spirit jesus refers to god as his father in john 17:1 now, now this could be a problem for some people if you've had bad experiences with men it could be a real struggle because god is male and it says, God has come, this male figure, to help you. But if your view of men 
is like, man, men have been abusive and, and guys have done this to me and that to me. It's hard. It's a challenge. It's, it's not easy. And it's not an easy one to overcome. But I want you to see that it is a challenge if you have a negative perception of men. If, if someone doesn't have a good relationship with their earthly father, it would be very challenging for you to hear that you need to refer to God as a father. My dad basically was out of my life for many, many years. And this idea of referring to God as my father instantaneously took me to some bad memories with my dad. Are you feeling me? I had to work that through. I had to work that through. You see, because people on earth can easily distort our view about God. And we got we to gotta try to get past our bad experiences on earth and look towards Jesus. You with me here? You, amen. But whatever your beliefs are about God will determine your response toward him. Let's go to the next slide. In, in spite of our past, in spite of whatever distortion you may currently hold about God, it is possible for us to form a right view of God. It is possible. It's not easy, but it is possible. And this is what makes us unique as human beings, that God has given us the intellectual faculties to realize we were wrong. Isn't that cool? He has given us the intellectual ability to realize and to change so we have the ability to change our beliefs it's the most beautiful thing that God has given us we can change our beliefs about God and how do we do that? we do that by turning to scriptures going back to the Bible going back to Luke 7 reading the Gospels, and and looking at all the good that Jesus did to uplift the lives of others, to transform the lives of others, to, to, to heal those who were sick, to release those who were oppressed, and to proclaim the year of God's favor. That's what we got to go back to. You with me? We must work even harder, church, to hold to the belief that God has come to help me in my marriage, in my parenting, in my job, in my day-to-day life. God is here to help me. There's something in the Word that's going to help me today. And I must go to the Word on a daily basis because I believe That God is here to help me in my situation. We got to work on these beliefs. That we are important to God. That I occupy a special place in God's heart. That He has a word of good news for me. That He has come to set me free from whatever prison I'm in. That He wants to give me insight into the wonders of the spiritual realm. And whatever is oppressing me, He wants to remove. That's the mission. That's the mission of Jesus. It was and it always will be. 
This is the message that we're proclaiming today about Jesus. That he has come to help. And if you're visiting this morning, I want to encourage you to listen to the message of freedom that God has for you. There's a message in here for you. Ask someone here to help you learn the teachings of Jesus more intimately. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It it will happen if your heart is open. You'll be sitting across the table and you'll see people, their lips are moving. And they're telling you the word. But then you will get this sense that there's something bigger. You're going to hear the voice of God with his message to you personally. I don't know what that message is. It could be the same message that he told that woman, don't cry. And if you hear the voice of God and you listen to his message, it has the power to completely reverse your fortunes. Your life will never be the same again. I mean, I think about what what Troy shared. Troy shared back in the day, he was very open. I was was into drugs. What, What changed? Jesus. Jesus spoke a word to Troy. And he went on a completely different path. And there are people here, there are people here, right here in this congregation, who, 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 whose story may be different, but they heard the same voice. We all heard the same voice. Amen, church? And the voice said, I'm here to set you free. Praise God. I, 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 if your heart is open, the Spirit of Christ will tell you some words that will transform your life forever. Church, let's rejoice in our great Savior. Let's be filled with joy about the great things God has done in our lives and the lives of others. Let's lift our voices on our job, on the train, in the neighborhood, with our friends and family. Let's spread this message to all of the Bronx that God has come to help. Amen. God bless you.